Hey guys, my guest tonight is Reverend Bill Bean, and we're going to be talking about his life in fighting dark forces. I'll be right back. Grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. Happy Tuesday. I'm glad to be here, and I hope you are, too. we got a great show lined up. Uh, Reverend Bill Bean is going to be with us to talk about his, his life story and the work that he does. Uh, we've had him on before, and uh, he is a terrific guest. Terrific, terrific, terrific. So hopefully you guys will like him as much as I do. Anyway, my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team. Based out of Sacramento, California, we are 45 strong up and down the state, which means if you have a paranormal need, we can get to you. It may take us a while. California is this huge state, but uh, we will get to you. Uh, in the case that we can't get to you right away, we do have mediums on staff who can phone you and talk about what may or may, may not be going on. And in most cases, if it is something paranormal, they're able to kind of calm it down until we can get out there. And like I said, it only takes one or two days before we can get out there, depending on where you're at. There's a lot of rural areas in California. That being said, if you're watching from Facebook tonight, and a lot of you are, and you haven't done so already, please feel free to follow. Uh, we're always looking for followers. And also, uh, YouTube, same thing, subscribers. Always try to add on to our subscribers. Getting close, getting close to that 1,000 mark. That's what we want. And again, I want to thank everybody on the RSS feed. We are at 1,100. That's 1,100 downloads this month. So I'm really excited about that. We had a real big surge next to you guys. and I really appreciate it that you're appreciating the show. Okay, if you guys feel it in your heart to leave some thumbs up, some happy faces and, th and, and, and stuff like that, please do, because what that does is that puts us higher in the FYP for both Facebook and YouTube, and that puts us out to more people, and more people get to, get to share and see us. And if you happen to be at home and there's people in your house or your friends are there, share the show. Share the show if you like what you hear tonight. All right, that being said, I'm going to bring in a guest and get this thing going, and I think you're going to find this find him very interesting because I do. So let me do, do, do with this. Okay, here we go. Let me bring him in. Hello. Hi, Charlotte. I hope you're doing well. Happy 2024, and thank you for having me back. Well, thank you for coming yeah. back for a while. Yeah, it has been a while. It's amazing. Uh my life is just a blur. I'm so busy all the time. I help people from all over America and the world as well. I've helped mm -hmm. people in 55 other countries also. And there's constant uh, contact from people needing help. So if I'm not in a session, a spiritual deliverance session, exorcism, uh, it, it's such a variety of things that people need. And I find it increasing, unfortunately, um, you know, Already in this new year of 2024, I'm just absolutely inundated with people contacting me for help from all over the world. And why do you think there's an increase? Well, my opinion is um, I believe 
that we are truly headed for it. Some people would say it's the last days, whatever it may mm -hmm. be, it's going to be a great and terrible day. And it is going to be an ending and a new beginning. And I really believe that we are headed for that on the fast track. Now, when is that going to happen? I have no idea because God didn't tell me that, but I can mm -hmm. assure you by what I'm seeing and by what I'm feeling as well, this is not good. And this is why it is so very important for us to draw as close to God as we possibly can, because time very well could be running out before this momentous event takes place. Interesting. Now, I, I read part of your book. You sent me a copy of your book. Great book. Tell everybody, this is, I'm curious, you know, I was always curious too, uh, you know, your beginnings in doing this. So, so what got you started doing this type of work? Well, I didn't choose to do this type of work. God chose me to do it, uh, as you read in the book. And here's mm -hmm. the, uh, if you want to get a copy, just go billjbean.com and you can get a copy there or Amazon. But uh, my life started out in trauma, in turmoil, uh, in chaos, confusion. Um, so this all began, and I've written, this is my 11th book. Sure. In the first book, Dark Force, uh, I wrote that it all began in 1970 when my family and I moved into a three-bedroom ranch-style home located in Glen Burnie, Maryland, in a community called Herondale. But it actually goes further back than that. I was told after I'd written that first book by a reliable source that two family members over 100 years ago actually conjured up those demonic forces through ritual, invitation, invocation. And they came through. And they came onto the family, both sides of the family, creating a variety of destruction and damage and untimely deaths. Uh, just terrible, terrible things, Charlotte. And I, uh, I started having experiences. Well, I will say this. Let me paint a better picture. Sure. The house um, was located at the bottom of a downhill cul-de-sac with a very long and deep ravine that stretched for several miles. Mm -hmm. There's a history to that land, uh, a Native American history, and also a history of UFO sightings, Bigfoot reports, uh, and of course, um, demonic uh, infestations. I found out after writing the book, I, I started getting contacted um, by friends that I knew back then, that I, some that I grew up with, and people that I didn't know that lived in the area. Mm -hmm. telling me that um, they were having these types of demonic supernatural experiences as well. So um, I was four years old when we moved into that house. The house was semi-dilapidated. It had a very ominous look and feel about it from the very beginning. My sister, I was four, my sister was 13. And we stood in front of that house before we went in and we both just had this terrible feeling and it was a feeling of fright it was a feeling of dread um a feeling of foreboding and my dad william bean senior saw it as a restoration project he was a master carpenter and he did a great deal of work to the house to restore it to make it look good but um we knew from the very beginning that something was very off and my mother patricia bean was the first to have an experience in the house it took place 
shortly after moving everything in and my dad had taken us uh, with him for the day to my grandparents' house, his parents, to allow my mother to not have us bothering her while she was unpacking and organizing things in the house. And it was during the course of that that she felt the presence come into the room and she, in her mind, she thought it was my dad sneaking in to play a joke on her. And she spun around fully anticipating on seeing him, but to her shock, you know, no one or nothing was there. Mm -hmm. And she was quite unnerved by it and um, eventually able to collect herself and go back to doing what she was doing. And then one of the bedroom doors slammed shut by itself. And that was enough to make her go out and wait until we returned. So that's where it started. And then uh, the um, later in that year, in 1970, my sister was asleep in her bed and she felt uh, that she was awakened by something. Mm -hmm. She could not see anyone or anything there, but she knew something was there. She certainly could feel a presence. Uh, she got very frightened and was going to jump out of the bed to go in to get my parents when something grabbed her leg and she was able to let out a scream that woke my parents. They ran across the hallway into her room, turned the light on. They didn't see anything there, but what they found was her curled up in a fetal position. They did see red marks on her leg mm -hmm. where she said something grabbed her leg. And my sister never again felt comfortable in the house. She felt like she was always being followed and watched and, um, she would end up running away in the middle of the night in 1973, marrying a young man in the neighborhood um, just to get out of there. So I'll give you a quick layout of how that house would have looked on the inside. So it was equally uh, as ominous and foreboding on the inside. You would enter in through the front door into the uh, the entryway had a coat closet and it was sliding wooden doors. And an interesting story about that. Now, my dad, William Bean Sr., was a very tough, he was a tough guy. He was a rugged individual, um, was a fighter and uh, not afraid of anyone or anything. And he was a, a man that was used to being in control of every situation. Well, he suddenly found himself in a situation that he could not control. Um, my parents believed in God, but we didn't have any faith-based upbringing, never went to church, never uh, were baptized or anything like that. Um, so one story that I was told a few years ago, I had no idea that this took place until my brother revealed it to me, was that one night my father had come home, and I believe it was in 1975 before he left us, in a drunken stupor. And my brother was sitting on the couch. I was not there. Uh, my brother said he came in and this invisible force picked him up and threw him through wow. those sliding wooden doors in that coat closet. And so this is a man that was, you know, in control of everything. And suddenly, you know, it's to that point now to where he's being physically attacked. And uh, he, um, he was a good man who made terrible choices. And mm -hmm. The devil can't make us do anything, but I could tell you this, when we're faced with adverse circumstances and situations such as that, and if you are not making God first in your life, then you are subject to a variety of bad things that can happen. And my parents 
were, they were married in 1957, my sister, or 56, my sister was born in 57. Uh, they were social drinkers. Back then you had house parties and they smoked cigarettes and all that kind of stuff. And the house was full of smoke and beer bottles. And that's how it was back then. Uh, but then not long after moving into the house, my dad's drinking escalated from being a social drinker, having house parties to now, you know, drinking every day, mm -hmm. uh, hanging out in the bars, started coming home very late at night, sometimes not coming home at all. Mm -hmm. And this led to serious problems between he and my mother. And um, it also led to some horrific things, Charlotte. Uh, he started physically abusing my mother on a regular basis between 1973 and 1975, nearly killed her on several occasions. And looking back on that, I have no doubt and 100% belief that those demonic forces were able to enter and manipulate him and fuel his rage towards my mother while under the influence of alcohol. So all life operates on frequency and vibration. So if we are on high frequency, high vibration, life is good. Life is positive. We're moving forward. If we're on low, it's like the black cloud is over the person's head and there's always a problem in a situation and there's never a way out. And that's what the devil wants. He wants us to be on that low frequency, low vibration. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the target is wide open and vulnerable for demonic attack. And so that's what was taking place there. Uh, my sister has the first physical attack and encounter in 1970. Mm -hmm. 1971, I'm five years old. And very much like my sister, um, I'm laying in bed, middle of the night, asleep. And again, when you get past that coat closet, you walk into the living room, mm -hmm. you would make a right down a long hallway, which had a hard tile floor. And often we'd hear reverberations off the walls from someone with heavy soled boots or shoes or something walking down that hallway. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the walls had this dark brown paneling, almost black. It was always very dark in that house at all times. And you could just feel feel the presence of evil and you could feel the low frequency, low vibration in that house always. And so you would go down the hallway and my brother and I shared a room, the first room on the right. My second, uh, my parents' room was the second room on the right. And then my sister's room was the uh, last room on the left across the hallway. So very much like my sister, I'm asleep in bed. Uh, my bed is closest to the doorway, to the hallway, and my brother's bed is closest to the window. And um, something woke me from my sleep. Couldn't see anyone or anything there. Uh, I start to get out of bed. So now I'm going to my left, getting out of the bed on the left side of my bed, uh, getting out. And as I'm trying to do that, a tremendous force grabbed me by my shoulders, threw me back on the bed, pinned me to the bed. And I've probably given over 2,500 interviews in my career or more. And every time I talk about this, I mean, there's really no words to describe what I was feeling at that time. I felt like I was going to die. I felt like my heart was going to jump out of my body. Um, it was off the charts trauma that was taking place. I couldn't move. I was paralyzed. I tried to scream out for my parents. My mouth would not work. The only thing that seemed to be working were my eyes. And 
what was taking place seemed to be going on for hours. I'm sure it was only, you know, seconds or a few minutes, mm -hmm. uh, but it felt like an eternity to me. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, you know, all these horrible things that were happening to me, I see down at the foot of my bed, this manifestation of what I believe to this day to be an angel. Uh, it was an angelic lady that manifested at the foot of my bed. And all of a sudden, all the horrible things that were happening to me suddenly stopped. And this angelic being was gazing at me, smiling, very comforting. Uh, mm -hmm. I felt nothing but love and peace and protection as well. And I began to calm down. So then, as I have now pretty much calmed down as much as I could under the circumstances, this divine being turns to the left and floats up through the ceiling. She had like a, a whitish, pale blue type of gown, very divine looking. And um, so I jump out of my bed. I run into my parents' room. They're asleep in their bed. I wake them up, uh, tell my mother what happened. You know, she takes me back to bed and tries to get me back to sleep, tell me I had a bad dream. Mm -hmm. um, but the most amazing thing about that, Charlotte, is that the angelic divine being looked exactly like my mother. It was uncanny. Wow. And my own mother who began to, and, and I was physically attacked by these demonic entities between ages five and 12, but my mother, Patricia Bean, suffered far worse than I did. And she came under demonic attack on a regular basis. Um, it really got bad after my dad left us in 1975. Then she came under regular physical attack, these entities coming and choking her and hitting her. My mother had cuts bruises and scratches on her long after my dad had left mm -hmm. and uh, got to the point where she couldn't even sleep in her bed anymore. She had to sleep in with us because uh, she couldn't get any more rest. These things were continuously coming to her, but there were occasions to where when she was being attacked by these entities, that divine angelic being would come and take those things away. Now, can you imagine, you know, a, having that type of experience and then b having something that you believe to be an angel coming but looks exactly like you I, it's just absolutely unfathomable wonderful i was just thinking um of, of something that happened to me a while back um my mother had had a stroke mm -hmm. and i would sleep on the couch because my of course she was elderly so if i had to go to the hospital or whatever and I remember looking up, and I swear this being came into my living room and looked just like her. Isn't that amazing? And at first I thought it was one of those death apparitions because I thought, oh, God, yeah. you know, she's gone. So she went around the corner, and I followed her around the corner. By the time I got around the corner, she was gone. Absolutely and amazing. Now that you say that, I'm thinking, well, maybe it was an angel yep. you know, coming to comfort me because I was worried about my mother. And maybe that's what they do, Charlotte, is take the form of our loved one to give us that mm -hmm. level of comfort and mm -hmm. peace. That's amazing. That, and, and I certainly believe it because I've experienced it for myself. So I know it's real and I know it's true. And uh, I, that would be my, my best guess.
Mm-hmm. Uh, my best guess would be that they would take the form of our loved one because it would bring us that level of peace and comfort mm-hmm. and security mm-hmm. as well. So it makes sense. So what happened as you grew older? Because, you know, like like with me, uh, when I was young, I have to admit, I saw a lot of shadow people when I was young. They never hurt me. They never seemed ominous, but they were always there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And as I got older, you know, into my teen years, then I then I got involved with other stuff and I didn't see that stuff as much. But what happened to you as you gradually got older? It just continued. Those attacks continued between ages five and 12. Mm-hmm. And every time that would happen to me, I would feel like I had the flu or something. My body ached. I had fevers constantly. Um, just those types of flu-like symptoms to where you're completely weakened when those things are taking place. And again, my mother suffered far worse than I ever did. And, and all the family members were affected and, and had experiences, attacks, sightings, and not just family members. I could line up a lengthy line of people, friends of the family, my friends, other friends of the family, other family members that would come forward and say, hey, what he's saying is absolutely true. I'd sign an affidavit saying that uh, because they too had experiences. It just, I think what happens, and certainly if I were possessing the knowledge, if I had the knowledge then what I have now, mm-hmm. and if I had the calling on me then what I have now, which I do believe that before I came into this world, that God assigned this mission to me. Mm-hmm. And that is why I had to experience these things in order to be able to relate to people. I could not be where I'm at right now and helping people mm-hmm. had I not been there to suffer. It's all part of the journey. And yes, I wish there's things that I could go back and change, especially when it comes to the suffering of my mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can't change that. And I thank God and praise God for, even though it was horrific, it truly was, he protected me. uh, And and I've been in so many life-threatening situations throughout my life. He's protected me and saved me every time. So I realized that it was a part of the journey. So if somebody contacts me for help, Mm -hmm. they know that I have been there so they can relate to me. And as you know, people who suffer trauma Mm-hmm. They don't relate to others and they don't want to share information with people because there's no trust. But if the person says, well, okay, this guy has been there. He understands I can trust him now and the wall will come down. Then we could come together and God will work through me to help them, to mm-hmm. free them from whatever's going on. So our God is an awesome God and he knows what he's doing. And that's why he chooses people for certain things. Again, I did not choose this. And my first battle against demonic forces took place at age 13. You know, finally, after suffering all those attacks for Mm -hmm. all those years, I had uh, one of the most important conversations that I've ever had in my life with my uncle Clifford Bean, who's my father's older brother. And he planted seeds of hope and faith with me. And he told me that we could take power and authority over these things uh, by the power of God. Mm-hmm. And we could bind and rebuke and cast them out. Now, here's where I made my mistake. And little did I know that this information was invaluable and it would be mm-hmm. applicable, applicable after I returned home from this conversation. 
And uh, <laughs> how can I start this? Okay, so I return home. I've had this meeting with my uncle. Um, now I feel like I'm empowered for the first time in my life. I feel like I have hope. Uh -huh. So I get home. My mother had a new man in her life at that time. My dad left this at 75 and uh, she had a new man in her life named Richard. Richard was very much like my father. He was a former boxer. He was a very uh, tough individual, uh, not afraid of anyone or anything, but yeah, it was physically attacked many times in that house to the point to where he was terrified to be there. And it was only his love for my mother that kept him around. Mm -hmm. And so on this day, my brother, he goes out to play. I'm 13. He was probably 11. He goes out to play. Um, we had a painting on the wall of my sister and it was, it hung on that wall from when we first moved in there up to that point. So I would say for nine years and, um, Suddenly, one day, my mother gets up and she sees that the painting is altered. The painting was of my sister as a three-year-old child, uh, innocent, you know, beautiful little child. Mm -hmm. um, and suddenly, it had become sinister. And, and the eyes looked like they had come to life. The uh, mouth had like this downturn sneer to it, evil, just personification of evil. So my mother takes it off the wall and puts it into her closet. And so on this day, I return home, my brother's out playing. My mother is there with Richard. Uh, they, and, and my grandmother, Dora Harvey, my mother's mother was present and they were waiting on my aunt, my mother's sister, Joyce and her boyfriend to come over. They wanted to see this changed, altered painting. So uh, they arrive, my mother, goes down the hallway to her bedroom to retrieve the painting. And all of a sudden, just loud booms and crashes, glass breaking. Um, she went into the bedroom and an unseen force picked her up by the back of her neck and threw her through the air. And she landed into her makeup table. She was uh, cut open, lacerated, uh, scratched, bruised, and she was on the floor. And so Richard and I get her up. Richard wants to take her to the hospital. She doesn't want to go. Mm -hmm. uh, something snapped in me, Charlotte, for the first time in my life. Now I was, you know, for the majority of my life up to that point, was a scared child that was always being attacked, uh, always in the fear-based, trauma-based way of thinking and living mm -hmm. because you're always anticipating the next thing happening. And something snapped when a person gets pushed into that corner more times than not, they're going to come out fighting. And that's exactly what happened. And, uh, I grabbed a Bible and I didn't know any of the scriptures at all. We had a Bible in the house, but I didn't know anything about the Bible. And at that point we had a Catholic priest that was involved with us for the last 16 months that we lived there. My family and I are not Catholic, but uh, my step-grandfather was. He went to his church. They sent a priest out, and God bless him. He did everything that he could to help. Mm -hmm. And he was bringing mason jars full of holy water to the house. So on that day, I grabbed a Bible and a mason jar of that holy water, 
And here's where I made my mistake. Uh-huh. Again, I was so enraged. I didn't care anymore. Uh, I, instead of binding and rebuking and casting them out by the mighty power of Yahweh in Jesus' name, I commanded them to show themselves. And boy, oh boy, was that ever a mistake because what happened was like a scene from a horror film. Doors started opening and slamming. Things started falling off the walls. The house was vibrating. Those uh, four adults, actually five adults were present. It was my mother, Richard, my grandmother, and my aunt and her boyfriend. So it was five adults with this 13-year-old kid. They were terrified. My mother had just experienced, you know, being attacked. So Uh, here I am now demanding these entities to show themselves all this chaotic stuff is taking place in the house. They're terrified. Uh, We go up the hallway. They're following me. I go left into the living room. They go right into the dining room. Mm -hmm. And then I commanded them to show themselves again. And it was like a scene from Star Trek. These greenish yellowish beams of light suddenly appeared and four entities appeared in those beams of light and one uh had the look black suit black beard black hair chalky white skin black eyes Uh, we call it the undertaker it looked like you know had a type of undertaker looking Mm -hmm. suit on Mm -hmm. this was one of the entities that was regularly physically attacking my mother. And then another one next to him, to his left was a male looking entity, chalky white skin, black eyes, long scar down the left side of his face, uh, red hair, like close, short curly red hair. Mm -hmm. And then the third entity was a female had the look of a witch, sharp facial features, chalky white skin, uh, long dark hair, black gown. And then the fourth entity is what we call the dark force entity that was a black hooded figure with glowing red eyes. And we saw them clearly for several seconds. And then they didn't just suddenly vanish. It just dissipated, like dematerialized, dissipated. And as they were doing that, all the chaotic things that were taking place in the house suddenly stopped. And we left and went to Richard's house for the rest of the weekend um, and then would return after that. But that's where it started for me. That was really the turning point of my life. And perhaps it was a test from God to see if I could truly be who he wanted and needed me to be as this spiritual warrior. Absolutely fascinating. Question I have for you with all this, especially for the audience. Now, you know, p- people that that, start, that look into this stuff know that the Catholic Church actually has, you know, courses for their priests to become exorcists and do what you do. As far as your, your church work, how, how did that come about? Did, did you have to attend courses for this stuff or, or what? No. Uh, again, so fast forward past all this, and I had other experiences in my adult years. But it all changed when I had an epiphany. And I was in my 30s then. I had an epiphany one day that I was sick and tired because I lived my life on the edge. I've had many Mm -hmm. family tragedies. Most of my family is gone, died under Mm -hmm. terrible, mysterious circumstances, including my own mother. It wasn't long after leaving that house that two tragedies occurred. First, my beloved grandmother, Dora Harvey, uh, Mm -hmm. 
died from a sudden series of heart attacks. And then two months and two days later, my beloved mother, Patricia Bean, died at age 44 from a cerebral hemorrhage. She had uh, she was very ill the entire time that we lived there. She had developed high blood pressure uh, and then had several strokes and ultimate kidney failure. And so she was having to go for kidney dialysis treatments two and three times a week in the hospital. She was very, very ill. And so uh, that's why I say this woman suffered more than any other person I've ever seen in my life. And now I'm in the thousands of people that I've helped worldwide and have yet to see someone that suffered as much as she did. And, and so I, after those tragedies and in many other tragedies as well, my dad was shot to death at age 48. Um, and I could go on and on and on, but, uh, I didn't care to live anymore, to be honest with you. And I wasn't going to slip my wrist or take pills or anything like that. But I lived my life on the edge and I lived my life like an outlaw for, for many years because I was seeking an end. I was looking for someone to end it for me and, and God saved me every single time. And then one day I had an epiphany that I didn't want this life anymore. I, I wanted to, try and embrace and make God first in my life and embrace having a real authentic relationship with him that I could do better and be better. And that changed my entire life. So God saved me, then brought forth miraculous transformation in my life when I made the conscious decision by my free will to make him first. And I was real and sincere. I mean, I grew up on the streets, Charlotte. I was a I, I drank, I used drugs, I was violent. Uh, and a lot of those people that I hung out with are dead or in prison, and I could have been there as well. And so through it all, God saved me, but nothing changed until I was sincere in wanting to be free from it. And it was miraculous all the way around because I didn't want to drink anymore. I didn't want to use drugs anymore. And I asked God to please take it from me. And he did. I never, ever had another urge, never went to one AANA. Now he just took it. And so then I started develop, developing my faith and having a real authentic relationship with God. And I found that the closer that I was drawing to him and the more sincere I was, I felt that he was drawing closer to me and blessings were starting to come into my life. And I worked very hard. Believe me, I had to do my part. I couldn't just sit there and say, oh, God, you do it all and I won't do it. And it doesn't work that way. Um, he will be there with us hand in hand, step for step. But we have to do our part as well. And so as part of that, I wanted to tell my story for years, but I, I felt intellectually inadequate because I had to quit school in the eighth grade after the deaths of my mother and grandmother. I had to go to work. I quit school in the eighth grade, lied about my age, went to work for a construction company with some hardcore guys. And that made me a hardcore guy. And uh, I, I was paying room and board to live somewhere at a very young age. I had to grow up very, very quickly. And that created more bitterness, you know, and, and just more reckless behavior. So uh, finally, when this transformation had taken place and and yes, overnight, God took the urges to drink and use drugs from me. However, it was a process for me. It was two steps forward and three steps backward because when we develop negative behavioral patterns, it's very difficult to break that. 
and right. not impossible, but very difficult. And I had to really work hard to break those patterns. And what helped me was by working, working, working. I got three jobs. I worked so hard that I didn't have time for any bad thoughts or any bad actions or anything else. I was working. And that really helped me to break those patterns. And then I started to study. So I spent four years in serious biblical studies, uh, ancient history, ancient religion, you name it, I've studied it. And God has blessed me with wisdom and knowledge far beyond anything that I could ever imagine in my life. That gave me confidence. And then I became an ordained non-denomination minister. And I started going out to people. So I started giving interviews in 1996. Then a haunting came to me. And they aired my story on January, I want to say January 7, 2006. That's what put me on the map. And I started getting worldwide attention and people were sending me messages and some were messages for help. And I thought, I can't help these people. I'm still in a bad way myself. What am I going to do? You know, and I tried to refer them to people that I thought could help them. But when I became a changed man, by making God first in my life, things started to really change. And I thought uh, that God was putting a calling on me, which I resisted for quite a while because I felt unworthy mm -hmm. of such a calling. I had such a low opinion of myself. Mm -hmm. And um, it took a while for me to, and, and part of that was, you know, engaging in those studies. And, and then that gave me confidence that, okay, maybe I can go help people because now I have, put in this work of being educated. I'm an expert anyway, because an expert is the person that has the experience over and over and over again. That makes you an expert. Right. Um, I've, I've had every type of paranormal supernatural experience that you can imagine. So that's what makes me an expert and anybody that goes mm -hmm. through that kind of stuff, it makes them an expert. Mm -hmm. um, so I had the confidence. I certainly knew that God was with me and for me. I was becoming more and more secure in my relationship in knowing that God loved me and had a plan for my life. And so he's putting this calling on me. And then when I had that little level of confidence that, Hey, you know, maybe I can be this spiritual warrior and help these people that changed everything. And the first family that I went to, and I believe it was in 2012, um, they had a serious demonic problem. And I arrived on scene, hadn't even gone in the house yet. But when I arrived on scene in that yard, headed for the front door, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is exactly what my purpose is in life and what I'm supposed to be doing. And I never looked back from there. So that was uh, the first. And now I would say it's probably in the low thousands of people that I've helped worldwide and continue to do so. And it's um, it's something that I didn't want. It's something that I didn't choose, but now I'm eternally grateful to God for putting this calling and mission on me. There's other things that I could do to make a living, but I don't wanna do that because this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is my purpose in life. So there's nothing else for me, Charlotte. Mm -hmm. So it's the greatest feeling in the world when you know that God has worked through you to deliver a person from evil, and then I have to sit down as uh, like a life coach, a counselor, 
And we have to put together a plan, a life plan for this person or persons in moving forward, because mm -hmm. we make sure we have to make sure that we keep all the doors closed. So the devil has nothing to chew on. And we've mm -hmm. got to get that person transformed from the fear-based, trauma-based way of thinking, living into what I call warrior mode, which is faith, strength, and courage. And mm -hmm. when that person makes that transition and that transformation, it's as if all the bad stuff has been erased and that person could start over again, fresh and new with a clean slate. And again, I can't put into words how great I feel in seeing these people moving forward like that, it's the greatest feeling. That's, you know, your story is so interesting. And to think that, that you pretty much were self-taught doing this, you know, doing this work is fascinating to me. Do you do yeah. anything to prepare for battle? Because I know like a Catholic priest will, will, will meditate for so long and, and, and he'll go without food or whatever. How do you prepare to do battle? Yeah, it does require... Um, a lot of prayer and, and the most important thing, which I'm in warrior mode daily. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. Do I claim to be? Never. However, I'm real and authentic and I have a real relationship uh, with our glorious creator and his son, Yahshua, Jesus, the Christ. And my MO, my intent every single day of my life, every day, I pray that Yahweh will work through me to be a blessing to someone. That is my intent every single day and that is my prayer every day mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. in preparation uh for these things especially when it is a full-blown possession yes there is lots of prayer and fasting and focus you have to be focused and the number one thing obviously is faith but the number two thing is you cannot have any fear so i've been in situations that were life-threatening okay and i've throughout my whole entire lifetime from and you'll read in this book mm -hmm. uh you know it's from, a great book from, it's a, thank it's a great you so book. much i appreciate great. it but you'll read in the book from childhood infancy uh two years old and not there were things that were taking place that i believe the devil was trying to kill me and destroy me before mm -hmm. i could get to where god wanted and needed me to be in this place right now so this has been a theme throughout my life and it also has carried over into this life as a spiritual warrior i've been in many life-threatening situations helping out people who were possessed and uh, i've had some people try to shoot me stab me uh slice me bite me physically attack me spit on me vomit on me you just wouldn't believe it charlotte and god has kept me safe and in control so the number one thing is faith but the number two thing is that you cannot have any fear you must be in control of the situation at all times and therefore if you can maintain that by not giving over to a spirit of fear god will keep his covering over you and will empower you as well People are superhuman. When they're possessed, they have superhuman strength. Mm -hmm. And I've seen people levitate. I've seen, uh, heard people talking to other voices. I've seen the eyes change uh, to all white, all black, all red. And in one case, a yellowish greenish color with reptilian slits, yellow reptilian black inside of a yellow type of thing, reptilian slits in the mm -hmm. eyes. 
I've seen it all. Believe me, I've seen people's limbs twist in ways that a human body cannot without bones breaking or ligaments tearing or whatever. Um, the only thing that I haven't seen is a person's head turn all the way around. But <laughs> other than that, I've seen everything else. And through it all, you have to maintain that level of control mm -hmm. and faith. Therefore, uh, I am in warrior mode, which is faith, strength, and courage. And I cannot be in the fear-based, trauma-based, because any agent of God that you know loses the the warrior mode mentality and then goes into the fear-based trauma, you're done. You're finished. Right, because right. now you've lost your faith, you've given over to fear, and you're done, and the people that you're trying to help are done as well. Now, I've had experiences, uh, think of one back in 2014, when God worked through me to deliver this lady who was fully possessed. Um, after it was over with, you know, it's not just over and you pack up and you say, oh, see you later. There's a lot more work to be done. You have to go through the entire house and make sure that nothing is hiding or lurking there mm -hmm. because those demons don't want to go. So they'll do anything to try and hide and lurk, especially in the dark places. And um, so this was a very large home. And I had to go through that entire home from the basement, you know, all the way up to the top, the attic part, which was converted into like a master bedroom and all the closets, everything, you know, you got to be thorough. You can't leave any stone unturned. And so uh, you're going through. And if you feel anything evil or negative that is present, you got to bind and rebuke it and cast it out. And mm -hmm. by the mighty power of Yahweh and Yahshua Jesus of Christ's name. And so, you know, I'm going through, started in the basement, uh, went, you know, through all the floors. I get to the, um, I'm up on the, uh, is that the third floor? One, two, three. I, it may have been the third floor and it was a set of steps that were heading up to this attic area, which they were converting into this master bedroom. It was mm -hmm. a very wide set of steps. And I go up the steps to my right. There's a lamp over there. So it's, there's light over there to my left. It's completely dark, except for, um, a window, which I believe was a double window. It didn't have any draperies or shades or anything on it. And the moonlight was coming through. And so I went over to the lit side first, just saying a blessing. So I have to clear everything. And, and I say, by the mighty power of Yahweh and his mighty and holy name, and Yahshua, Jesus Christ's name, I declare this space and every single thing in it to be blessed, sealed, sanctified, purified, cleansed, and made holy. Peace is here and peace shall remain. So I do that. I go to the other side. Now, when I get to the other side, it's all dark except for that moonlight coming in. There was a ventilation shaft. I would have to say eh, probably, I don't know, six, eight, ten feet away from the, the window. And so between the window and the ventilation shaft, I get over there, it's to my right. I'll certainly never forget it. There was standing in that moonlight, the beam of light. It was at least seven feet tall. It had a black hooded cape, a robe, whatever you want to call it. Glowing red eyes, very much looked like what I had seen so many times over the years in my house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it had 
what appeared to be like folded in wings. It had these points coming up past the shoulders. And I stood there. Now think about this for a second, Charlotte. I'm within six to 10 feet of this entity. I have a Bible in this hand. I have a mixture of holy water, holy oil, and holy salt in this hand. Now, most people, they'd either turn and run, they'd faint, they'd soil themselves, or all the above. And it was only by the power of God that I could stand there, remain in faith, and remain relatively unfazed by what I was seeing. And I said, by the mighty power of Yahweh and his mighty and holy name and Yahshua, Jesus, the Christ name, I bind and rebuke and cast you out and command you to depart. And I shook that shaker three times and mm -hmm. it hit it three times. So the mixture hit it. That thing let out a screech like I have never heard before or since. It was so loud. It rattled all the windows in the house and then it departed. Wow. So this is... Uh, it doesn't get any more intense than that. It doesn't. I mean, when you are now coming face to face with something like that, you better be in that level of warrior mode or it could be disastrous. Well, here's my question about your warrior mode. Are you like you say you're constantly in warrior mode? Is that because and I've heard this from from nuns that I have talked to, you know, over the years, how, you know, this 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 work that we do, you know, the work that you do, the work that I do that some of this evil stuff may not, and I know, I know there's a fear thing that, that, that you don't want to have. And some of this stuff may, may not come, come after us right away, but there's always a chance that, that, that they're going to wait for us in a weak moment and then come at us. It very well can happen that way. And that's why I say that all life operates on frequency and vibration. So when Yahweh mm -hmm. spoke the world into existence, he did so by the frequency and vibration of his voice. Therefore, mm -hmm. all life operates on that principle. So the devil waits for openings. And so that's why it's so important to keep our frequency and vibration on high. Stay away from drinking. Stay away from drugs. Alcohol, that word is de derived from Egypt, which means alcohol, alcohol. That means flesh-eating spirit. Research it for yourself. You'll see it. It's there. Uh, drug abuse is the spirit of pharmakia, which is sorcery. This gives legal rights to the devil to come in because now if you are under the influence of these things, your frequency and vibration is lowered and you are wide open and susceptible for demonic attack. And the devil can do it. He can go to God and say, I can be there because this person freely chose to do these things and God will allow it because of free will. So we have to be on guard. I am on guard 24 seven. I, I love bet. people. I would do anything for anybody, but I am a very intense individual and I am focused, I am fierce, and I have to stay that way every day. Absolutely. I can understand that. What advice do you have for somebody who might think that they've got a problem in their house? Get help right away. And whether it's contacting me, you, or somebody else, you have to contact some agent of God in order for the power of God to work through that person to free you. I have dealt with so many people that had trauma-based issues in a good deal of the cases, not all, but in a good number of them, 
This goes back to childhood when these people suffer child molestation, rape, some type of violent crime, whatever it may be. It has to be something that has raised mm -hmm. that trauma level, you know, into a, a, a very high uh, rate because what happens is when the trauma is established in that way, demons, obviously they're on the perpetrator or perpetrators to you know, carry out these wicked and heinous acts, mm -hmm. but then some will go on to the victim and they will stay with the victim until they're evicted. So it is super important. You cannot pray this away. You cannot wish this away. If it's attached to you, it is going to stay attached to you until it's evicted. So my best advice is if you're out there and you're watching this right now, get help. And whether it's me, whether it's Charlotte or somebody else, contact somebody for help right away. And the power of God will work through that person to break it off of you, to take it off of you and to evict it from you. What's next for you? Oh, everything's a blur. I deal with so many people uh, every single day and or night. I'm up till 6.30, uh, 7 a.m. every morning. That's... I, that's before I get to bed. And I, you know, I could be in a session with somebody from mm -hmm. Australia or New Zealand or Brazil or Switzerland or something at five in the morning, India. I have a lot of clients in India. Um, th there's the time differences. And mm -hmm. it's summer, like 16 hour time differences, some are nine and 10 or 10 and a half. Uh, so it's this way for me every single day. There's always somebody that's coming to me for help. So I'm always, if I'm not traveling to somebody and I do travel to people to help them in person, but I also do a lot of sessions via Skype and or phone, which is the next best thing to being there in person. Right. Right. So uh, it's all about invoking the power of God over the situation. And so I constantly stay busy. There is uh, just a never ending flow of people coming to me for help. Fantastic. How can people find you? Well, I want to thank you for having me on again. I look forward to coming back again with you in the That's future. So thank you so much. Absolutely. And much love and many blessings to you and to everybody out there. Thank you for watching. And if you uh, do want to get a hold of me, uh, if you are in need or you want to get a copy of the new book, Okay. Uh, my life transformation from victim to victor, uh, visit billjbean.com. You can email me directly from the site. If you want, uh, there are two buttons there for, uh, the book. If you want to order a signed copy from me, you can click the first button, or if you just want to order from Amazon, you can click that second button. And, um, if you are contacting me for help, you can email me directly from the site. I will get back to you as quickly as I can, and I will do everything that I can do by the power of God working through me to help you. Bill, it's always a pleasure. I do want to get you back on because there's always so much to say, right? Oh, we've got, we've only scratched the surface here, Charlotte. There's so much more to talk about, including the plethora of UFO experiences that I've had in my life. And maybe we can get into that the next time. Sounds good. Well, you have a good rest of your evening. I'm like you. I, I'm up till six in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Same hour. We're birds. We're birds yeah. of a feather. We're birds of a feather. All That's right. Well, you right. have a great rest of your evening, sir. Thank you so Love much and for blessing, coming on. Charlotte. We'll I appreciate see you again it. soon. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. Okay, that was Bill Bean. I love having him on. He's he's really fun to have on. Tomorrow we have a live show, and uh, 
a gentleman named Curry is going to be on with us, and he's really passionate about the paranormal. He grew up in a haunted house, and so he's going to tell us about his experiences, and he's also a uh, paranormal investigator. So he's going to be sharing his experiences with us tomorrow evening. Okay, tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, I'll be here, and hopefully you'll be here. And, uh, yeah, like I said, we, we got guests lined up for the rest of the week. So uh, I'll see you then. Have a great evening, everybody.